0: Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to uh, 53. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. So,
1: why missions? That's what we're here to talk about tonight. And um, we have that slide of the of all the. We don't. We may not have that. No. Okay. So we've talked about why church, why gospel-centered church, why family. Tonight we're talking about why missions. And then it'll go on, why gather, why serve, why suffer. So the identity statement of a radiant church pretty much (laughs) sums up missions. We are a family of servant missionaries learning to be and make disciples. Which means, preaching a missions message at this church is like preaching to the choir. Uh, For us, missions is not something that we uh, need to add into our schedule. It's an integral part of who we are. The setting for the scripture that uh, Chris just read, and we'll go through it again, but the setting is that it happened on the day of the resurrection. Um, On that uh, first day of the week, the women went up to the tomb and they found it empty and the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. They went back, told the disciples uh, and uh, some of them went up and checked it out. And then it says, uh, well uh, in Luke 24, 13, that very day two of them We're going to a village named Emmaus, seven miles away. So this is the day that the two disciples encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus, which is a very um, (coughs) moving encounter, let's say. (laughs) That was pretty pretty exciting, pretty dramatic. And then they, uh, so those two disciples, they... They were on, well, so Emmaus, we have that map there. I'm sorry, you had it up there. Emmaus is in uh, the top left. Jerusalem is there in the center, and just to the right of Jerusalem is Bethany. So they were heading on the road to Emmaus, but Jesus met them just a short way down the road. They stopped, they just went back to Jerusalem, met with the other disciples, and it says... um, yeah, they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the other people there and they were talking to them. And, uh, and they were, uh, then Luke 24, 36 is where our scripture begins. And as they were talking with the other disciples, they were all there in Jerusalem talking, talking about these things that happened, Jesus himself, suddenly was there. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And he said to them, peace to you. That's a good thing. That's comforting. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. So even though they had been to the tomb and saw that it was empty, uh, and even though Jesus was standing there in their midst, they still had doubts. Uh, Doubts are a natural part of life. Mary had doubts. John the Baptist had doubts. Mary, when the angel came to her and told her she was going to have a child, she said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. So because Elizabeth, because of Elizabeth's testimony that was delivered by the angel to Mary, Mary, it, Mary had no more doubt. She said, be it so. So what we're looking at here is the power of testimonies. John the Baptist Uh, remember he when he was in prison he was thinking hey this is not coming out the way I thought it was gonna be and uh, he had some doubts and he sent some of his people to Jesus and they asked uh, they said John the Baptist has sent us to you saying are you the one who has come or shall we look for another in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and on many who were blind he bestowed sight and he answered them Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So John had doubts and the testimony of Jesus, and all that had happened uh, calmed his fears and calmed his doubts back to our text in Luke 24, 38. And uh, Jesus said to them, remember they're in the room, and he's there. He said, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So Jesus is witnessing about himself to them. And... When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and, and while they still disbelieved, even though they, were joy, they had joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? He wanted to make sure they knew it was, he was real. So they gave him some fish, um, and he didn't ask because he was hungry. He asked to demonstrate to them that he was real. They gave him fish, and he ate it. Then he said to them, Beginning from Jerusalem, my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The promise of my Father. That's the Holy Spirit. And then, just to finish up our scripture, and then he led him out as far as Bethany, so they went just a little ways out of town, out of Jerusalem. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. So finally they got it. They're worshiping God, they believe, they are ready to go, (laughs) and they did. So for some of us, the thought of witnessing or proclaiming repentance for forgiveness of sins causes great discomfort. I mean, that is not something we're, we're ready to go and do right away, right? I hope that by the end of this message, everyone is ready and willing to share the love of God with everyone who crosses your path. So, let's see if we can make that happen, if the Holy Spirit can make that happen. <laughs> so, speaking of the Holy Spirit, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verses four and verse 4 and verse 8, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Bible, the written word, provides direction for us, but the Numa word, the Holy Spirit word, uh, fine tunes that and provides specific direction in any given situation. Um, and that is always in line with the written word. If you get, if you get a message that you think is from the Holy Spirit, you're trying to figure it out, and it's not in tune with the written word, well, be very skeptical. Don't, don't bet your life on that one. But um, I have been in numerous situations where the Holy Spirit spoke and we acted accordingly and amazing things happened, absolutely amazing things happened. So missions must be done in accordance with the Master's plan, uh, and the Holy Spirit reveals that plan to us, fine-tunes it. Like I say, please don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. All people, everyone here, comes from a different background, different denominational upbringing. You've got different concepts of the Holy Spirit. There are some churches where they are afraid of everything, anything spiritual. They think anything spiritual is of the devil. Well, that's not true. but my, my advice is this. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go pick up snakes, but unless God tells me to. <laughs> if he does, and I'm certain that he does, I'll do it. But I, I, when, I was, when I committed my life to Christ, I said, I'll go with you anywhere you want. Anywhere, I'll go anywhere in the world you want, doing anything you want me to do, as long as you go with me. <laughs> That's a comforting thought. So my advice is don't put God in a box. If you don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit and don't put God in a box. Don't don't confine God. Say, God, you can do this much and no more. That's it. He doesn't like that. And that's not the way he works. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, our world is in pretty bad shape right now. I don't think anyone here would disagree with that statement. The the real question is, why? Why is the world so messed up right now? I would say that it's because believers, that's us, have not diligently worked to fulfill the Great Commission. We have failed at the Great Commission, accomplishing the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit to the end of the age. One of the best ways to share the gospel And accomplish the Great Commission is through your testimony. Our personal testimonies are powerful. They remind us that God is still working miracles, that He loves us and He wants to encourage us, and that we can trust His Word. His Word is true. Our testimony will strengthen other people's faith, causing them to move closer to God. Ephesians 6.19 says, Pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I encourage us all to focus on sharing the gospel and introducing others to Jesus. And we're going to talk about ways to do this. Uh, We're going to talk about successes and failures. (laughs) Um, Because they all come. Uh, So, focus on sharing the gospel and introducing others to Jesus, starting with your family. Your family... uh, is your highest priority so we want to build discipling relationships with them i think i left the water bottle down there please so what thank you micah all right thank you very much The times that I have been closest to God are when I have maintained a continuous dialogue with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's almost like Jesus is in the car with me and I'm talking to him. We're just, we're just talking, I'm just expressing my thoughts, my feelings, I'm asking for direction and I'm saying, Lord, this situation is not a fun one. Please teach me what you want me to know. I want to learn so I don't have to go through this one again. <coughs> Many times I have wondered and prayed about how I can be more effective at evangelism. I try and I fail, like I say a lot of times. I miss, the, I miss the mark or I miss an opportunity. I wanna be more effective. I wanna change the world by leading people to Christ. That's what he expects us to do. That's the Great Commission, change the world. So a number of years ago, I was crying out to God. Uh, Lord, how can I be more effective at leading people to you? what can I do? And I was just crying out like this. And I, <laughs> I vividly remember his answer. His answer was, act as though my word is true. If I, had, if, if I wanted you to remember one thing today of this message, that's it. Act as though God's word is true. If we believe it, and, and I do, I believe the Bible is true. 100% true, I know we can go to all those places spoken of in there, I believe Jesus did what it says he did, and I believe it's true, so act as though it's true, live your life as though God's word is true, that's the greatest testimony you can give to anyone, and God will honor that, <laughs> he will definitely honor that, James one twenty two says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the Word. Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh. Jesus knows the Word intimately since He is the Word. He spoke the Word and He acted upon it. He commissioned us to do the same, to carry on His example of acting on the Word. So here's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, To be uh, totally honest, for some of us, the command to be a witness for Christ uh, causes us to be uncomfortable. We're continually bombarded with information and advertisements that create stress and tensions and distractions and oh my, how am I gonna do this? So who has any margin in their life? Probably very few of us. Is there anyone who's not busy and exhausted? Do any of us have time to fit another activity into our schedule? Should our gospel communities focus inwardly on the health of our members or focus outwardly on others? Which takes more effort. Uh, generally speaking. So may I suggest that we don't want to add any more tasks to our list, Uh, but rather ask the Holy Spirit to guide us so we can just do life according to his plan. If we can just live according to his plan, we don't have to add anything extra in. I think that this means considering every activity of life to be a mission opportunity. So, how do we do this? Well, we're continually trying to uh, champion Jesus, introduce other people to Jesus. First, you know, the, before a person can become a disciple, they got to meet Jesus. Well, how can they meet Jesus? Well, they can by hearing the gospel the way John the Baptist preached it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those are the people you see out on the street corner, right, with the Bibles and the signs, repent, repent. That's not normally very effective. I mean, sometimes it is, and it can, but, it, but I wouldn't do it on the street corner. I would do it privately with someone <laughs> that I was talking with. If you knew, if the Holy Spirit revealed that that's what they needed, they just needed to repent and turn from their wicked ways, well, okay, go ahead and give it to them. Uh, Another, thing you, they can, another way they can meet Jesus is by receiving a, ma- a meal provided by a believer in the name of Jesus. Uh, a good Samaritan stopping to help fix your flat at 40 below. An acquaintance, and a, an, an acquaintance donating a kidney to you. Uh, someone giving you a smile and saying a word of encouragement. That works wonders, actually. Uh, watching a restaurant patron bow their head and unashamedly give thanks and ask God to bless their food. That actually had an effect on me. A, uh, a good friend of mine used to do that, a fellow I worked with, and we'd go out in a restaurant, and he would bow his head and say grace. And I was thinking, I was raised Catholic, and I didn't express my faith really at all. I was unsure of things, and I was so embarrassed and everything, but he did it every time. <laughs> and finally, I got to thinking, this guy is serious. Uh, he, he really believes. And so I started inquiring, and here I am today. Um, another way is raising a child in the way he or she should go. That's, that's our, our task. Don't minimize that at all. Um, so, and you people are very, very good at blessing others in the name of Jesus. Um, this church, like I say, is totally focused on, on that, So every day we have many opportunities to share the gospel or to squelch it. Uh, The whole world is our mission field, but it doesn't mean that any one of us is responsible for the whole world, right? But as we go through the world, we can do it on our journey, on life's journey. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand and develop our gifts and teach us how to use them for his purposes. We can learn from each other, but we should not compare ourselves to each other. God has a plan for each one of us. Every one of us has different giftings. um, And we need to develop our own gifts and use them. Just give them back to the Lord. Like you give your tithe, you you give your gifts back to the Lord and ask him to use them appropriately. So I have a really weird way of sharing the gospel. Would my two volunteers come forward, please? I, you may not know this, but I often am packing pencil puzzles. (laughs) I try to have them ready in case of an emergency. These have gotten me through TSA before. They've gotten me out of the hands of four police officers, special police officers, and eight soldiers in Indonesia. Um, Anyway, what color would you like? Blue. Pull that one out. and. What color would you like? Green. Okay, here we go. So, here's the way this thing works. I make these myself, so I have to do quality control on them. I'm going to put this on your sweater on a buttonhole. No, the hole part, please. And, uh, okay, you can let go. So, I'm going to put this on, and then your assignment is to remove that from your sweater, please. And uh, can you unbutton your other button there, too? And I'll put just, oh, i got to do my quality control. Okay, we're good. So, here we go. So, um, go ahead and remove that from your jacket. So, I have done this since 1977, and what it does is it gets people laughing. You're all smiling, right? And you're wondering, what the heck is going on here? That is so easy to get off. No, you can't use your knife. I, I didn't explain it. <laughs> I didn't explain the rules here. The rules are you can't cut it, break it, sharpen it, change it in any way. You can only manipulate it. Now, at this point, I have, I have hung about 8,000 pencils around the world. You can't get it, right? Okay. All right. So I will take it off for you. I told them I wasn't going to leave them hanging. Now, don't, don't help me, please. You can let go. Um, That may be a hint, I don't know. But anyway, just, uh, okay, leave that right there. Don't, and let me get this one. And so, I use this to start conversations with people. And it is, uh, so that's fully on there, right? And now it's fully off, there you go. Okay, here we go, so it's just, it's really very simple, it's very simple. It takes one second to put it on, half a second to take it off, but, It is totally not obvious. It looks simple. The yellow pencil says, Confidence, the feeling you have before you fully understand the situation. (laughs) This, okay. All right, thank you. You may sit down. And those are yours to keep. Yes, yes, yes. Those are my volunteers. Yeah, give them a hand. All right. So this that I gave them, this is the instructions on how to get the pencil off. This is also my testimony, and it's a gospel tract. And people don't just throw it away when they get it because they want to get that silly pencil off their body. Uh, (laughs) And on the cover is a picture of a magician. It took him two days to take that off his shirt. Another magician took him a day and a half. Uh, Four university presidents I don't think ever got it off, and three... Nights ago at the Alaska Miners Association conference, I hung one on our governor. So so I've had a lot of fun uh, with this. And if you could put up that photo, please. So I was on a a a 14-and-a-half-hour flight from Dubai to Seattle, and I hung (laughs) pencils on every flight attendant on the aircraft.